I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics, where we keep the rationalist community informed about what's going on outside of the rationalist community. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Eniash Brodsky. And I'm David. This is episode number 84. We're recording on June 5th, 2023. And we are going to go right into the new news today, and we're going to kind of speed through it because we have a whole shitload of happy news to get to. Hell yeah. Uh, so we'll start on the new news. There was a debt limit deal. So, Yay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's good that the country's not going to default on our debts. Yay. That's cool. Um, the actual deal is pretty meaningless. I think it freezes it freezes discretionary spending in place for a year and then the next year it it's only allowed to go up by 1%. Wes, correct me if I misheard, but instead of simply raising the debt ceiling, did they just say there is no debt ceiling until what, 2024? Correct. That is what they did. <laughs> and it's actually till 2025. So it's ah. going to it's going to be whoever's the new president is going to have to deal with whoever's the new Congress, like, immediately. So that'll be fun. I, I, They already, like, passed the budget, though, so they can't abuse this this year, right? What do you mean? The fact that there is no debt ceiling at all? I mean, they can... They, they, nobody takes the debt ceiling seriously. Like, yeah. I see. So they, they abuse it all one. the time. Okay. They just pass whatever budget they want and don't worry about the debt ceiling. There used to be a rule that automatically raised the debt ceiling when you pass the budget to be like, <laughs> all right. And also the debt ceiling is raised to like accommodate this budget. Like this is the money we're going to spend. So obviously we're going to have to borrow to do this. Um, then the Republicans decided to like stop that rule and be like, no, we're doing them separately. Yes. Mitch McConnell realized that playing with uh, playing Russian roulette with the world economy would be a fun way for him to get his rocks off. And the crazy part about this is that it works that the democrats are so stupid they keep falling for this <laughs> biden came out months ago like uh, maybe a year ago and was like we're not going to negotiate about the death limit you either just pass the debt limit if you don't the economy crashes and that's bad for everybody so just increase it and you know it got to crunch time and he was like all right we'll negotiate here's some <laughs> spending cuts and some like extra bureaucratic bullshit for food stamps i think was thrown in there do they keep this around because they're planning to abuse it when they're in the minority the democrats yeah no they never do <laughs> are they, you okay they gave trump clean debt limit increases every time well he did have well no, i guess the COVID only happened right at the end of his thing hmm. yeah mm. yeah no yeah, this I is like know. a republican thing what uh, what i i think happened was that the Democrats think that these little, uh, sh you know, showdowns are good for them, that they come out looking better than the Republicans do. So they keep it around so this can happen every time. Ah, they're they're wrong about that, right? They are. <laughs> they are wrong about that. Nobody like this is this is not going to move the needle for anyone. Okay. Nobody. Nobody's changing their vote because of this. Um, so they should just eliminate it because then maybe we don't crash the entire world economy. But whatever, they they made a deal. They always do. There's the, the the market never took it seriously that they might not. So everyone knew what was going on here. 
as David told us near the beginning of this podcast, we do live in the dumbest timeline. And if they didn't get rid of this, it might not be the dumbest timeline anymore. I mean, the dumbest timeline would actually have a debt default. Hmm. So this can't be the dumbest timeline. Okay. I, I think I could buy that. I think that actually having a debt default would be less dumb than what we're doing now. Because then it wouldn't feel because so stupid and pointless. then it would just be over. <laughs> that too. It wouldn't be over. We would have to do this again every time. <laughs> I guarantee you if the world economy crashed, we'd have bigger problems. True. But we'd still have this problem, too. Not if there's no Congress anymore. I mean, very true. I suppose I suppose the accelerationist view is, sure, just crash everything. <laughs> well, we almost had no Congress anymore back in January 6th, right? Uh, uh, no. no, that was never a risk. <laughs> that, was, that, was not... that was a terrible attempt at a segue. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, speaking of January 6th, uh, the Oath, Caper, Oath Keeper's leader, Stuart Rhodes, got 18 years in jail for seditious conspiracy. Jesus, that's a lot of years. That's a lot of years, especially for a dude who didn't even go inside the Capitol. Oh. Yeah, well. and I'm... <sighs> Like, I couldn't really figure out what the evidence against this guy was. Like, apparently, the jury and the judge both both found that he was giving the orders to everyone. And that, it, you know, he had planned this, that he was telling people to go in the Capitol. Um, this is, these were the guys that had the quick react- reaction force out mm. in Arlington in the, like, the, like, the shitty hotel with a bunch of guns that were sure. like ready to run into dc when necessary i don't think the price tag on the hotel really is important though well you know I uh, think, honestly i might I take them less detail. seriously if they had a very fancy hotel that they were drinking yeah, right? champagne in <laughs> staying at the at the four seasons right save your <laughs> money for ammo um it's just weird they were at a hotel where were you gonna sleep if you weren't at a hotel why I guess maybe if they sleep? had sympathizers in D.C., they could, like, crash in a basement or something. Yeah, right? I don't know. Um, but so the, the, they found that he was, like, the, you know, the, the guy planning this whole thing, and he was, like, legitimately trying to overthrow the government. Yes, uh, him and his 20 FBI agent co-conspirators. <laughs> I, I feel like you uh, are really, really um, playing fast and loose with those numbers. Uh, every time. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, he did have a co-conspirator named Kelly Meggs, um, who also was convicted, but only got 12 years because he was, you know, showed some regret and apologized, whereas Rhodes was like, I'm a political prisoner. I didn't do anything wrong. This is all persecution. Hmm. Um, and I, I feel weird about this because... It is all political, but isn't it kind of political when you try to overthrow a government? Yes. So, like, I kind of felt weird about it, too, in the in the beginning, because I was like, this guy didn't go in. Like, he was the leader of the group, and that group did some bad things, but, like, I don't know what evidence there was that he actually ordered it. But, I mean, if a jury found that he did, then their, their evidence is better than whatever I have. I think it's still... Um necessary to punish incompetent boobs that try to overthrow the government because yeah. that'll discourage the more competent ones or just the incompetent ones that might get lucky yeah i like i'm pretty comfortable with this because dude tried to overthrow the government hmm. and like that's that's bad you shouldn't do that um he did it in a you know 
pretty ham-handed and buffoonish way. No. But he did have those guys, like, with the hotel room full of guns that easily could have gotten, like, this This could have been escalated. Oh, neat. And he wears an eye patch. Does he, he does look like a badass? Patch. I uh, thought so. No. See, I heard he wore an eye patch, and I was like, oh, it's probably like a Dan Crenshaw situation, where he was, like, you know, injured being a war hero. Uh, apparently not. David, do you know about this? Uh, I am reading about it right now. Yeah, apparently he <laughs> dropped a twenty-two pistol and it it went off and shot him in the eye. David, uh, I thought you so, said it's impossible uh, for a gun to go off if you don't pull the trigger. I said that about the specific gun that, um, or the specific model of gun that, um... Alec Baldwin? Uh, yes, thank you. Alec Baldwin was using during the Rust filming. Oh, okay. Some guns are not as good as others. Like, yes. yes. Uh, okay. In fact, there was a uh, minor scandal because the U.S. Army is replacing its service pistols, and the model that they uh, awarded the contract to did have drop safety issues. Oh. Uh, they were able to fix them pretty easily, uh, whereby they, I mean, Six Hour, the company that makes the pistols, uh, but it was a thing, and it's now kind of a meme that the uh, new service pistols are not drop safe, even though they are. Okay. Yeah. And also, kind of, no, he doesn't look like a badass. He's uh, balding <laughs> he really and uh, on the bigger side. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of it's funny to laugh at him. For shooting his own eye out, but also, like, I drop shit all the time. <laughs> I drop my phone at least once a day. Oh, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, that would that would also be me. So I shouldn't laugh too hard. Right. Um, what is this about the guy who put his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk? Oh, remember that guy who put his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk and got a picture taken? Yeah, I sure do. He got sentenced to four years. A little over four years, yeah. actually. Was that, was that seditious conspiracy also? Uh, I guess. I don't know. Or I didn't he, look into it. I assumed it was. Did he get one uh, of the baby crimes? I assume, I assume, uh, since, you know, he had access to Nancy Pelosi's desk, it was some kind of insider trading. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, because she does that all the time, you see? Yep. <laughs> She's very corrupt, is the at, joke. At over four years, I'm assuming it's a pretty serious charge. Yeah, that's probably, it's probably the big boy crime. Mm. All right. Um, I don't know. Do, does anyone have anything else to say about this? I ah. was like, I was ambivalent about it, but uh, upon reflection, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is probably fine. The I feel the same way. At this point, I feel like January 6th is kind of like Gamergate. People won't shut the fuck up about it, <laughs> even though it's be- it was never particularly relevant, and it's getting less relevant by the day. But with January 6th, people actually did something. I mean, they he didn't do much, there. though. That's true. I mean, they didn't. They did. They did some crazy stuff, but I, it didn't actually. I have gone into anything. the Capitol building and wandered around. The only difference between me and them was that <laughs> I wasn't part of a whole bunch of friends, and also, you know, a non-trivial number of feds. All I right, think- David <laughs> is on record that anyone who has ever been in his house is free to break in whenever they want. Uh, because it's the exact same thing as being invited. Totes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we'll move on to our next story, which is that Florida is being shitty to transgender people. That's not good. No. Yeah. They passed a... This is like everything I think we hate on this podcast. <laughs> because it's shitty, stupid regu- like healthcare regulation that is has nothing to do with actual healthcare. 
and is all about making a political point. Yeah. Um, so what happened? Everything there would also need to be uh, gun restrictions and entrapment by the FDI, FBI. But yes, this is a lot of what we <laughs> hit on this podcast. Um, yeah. So they changed the law so that nurse practitioners can't subscribe hormones. Um, they can't subscribe hormones. You say <laughs> prescribe hormones. Yeah. Sorry, that was. Um, it's one of the scribes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they can't prescribe hormones. Um and they uh and 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 apparently 80% of those prescriptions have been coming from nurse practitioners. Ouch. So now like 80% of the trans people in the state have to find a doctor to prescribe them hormones, which they're having trouble doing. So a bunch huh. of people are losing access to their hormones. Well, that sucks. Yeah. Like what like- the fuck, Florida? These are these are adults. Can they not just get them from their family doc? I mean, some people have a doctor that is trans friendly and will prescribe hormones. Some oh, people don't. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And like, I don't know how it is in Florida, but like, you can't always get an appointment with your family doc right away. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, they... But yeah, some people are being like forcibly detransitioned. You know, if we didn't have an FDA, you could just fucking buy whatever hormones you want on the street corner as it should be. Yep. That's true. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and this is after um, Oklahoma passed probably the worst one of these bills I've heard of. This was back in February, and I heard I didn't I, I heard like a couple mentions about this, but didn't hear any details. As opposed to like you know the don't say gay bill, which I heard blaring nonstop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is an actual like horrible, horrible bill. And what it is, it's a it's a ban, an outright ban on transgender surgery or hormones for adults by any facility receiving public funds and it bans private insurers from covering surgery or hormones the, okay for why adults did, why did we not hear about this i don't know do people not care about trans people in oklahoma or something well i think it's because no one cares about oklahoma I, it's also because Oklahoma doesn't have a Ron DeSantis equivalent who makes sure that these laws are national news for weeks at a time. True. I'm really oh, surprised, though, that there were some activists that let us know about this. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of embarrassed we're only bringing it up now. But I was like, oh, well, we, I should mention this. So yeah. any facility so, that does surgery or hormones for someone, even just private paying out of pocket, would lose all government public funds if they did that. So that, I don't. So I, that part I don't care so much about because the solution is to just stop giving public funds to every goddamn thing under the sun. What really well, fucks me up is the ban on private insurers from covering surgery and hormones. They're both like, fucked how, up. How do how do they even justify that as a legal matter? Like, I mean, I, I know th- I know that in practice the government can just regulate anything it wants because fuck you, we do what we want, but. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, this is well within constitutional limits. Oh, God, I hate that so much. That's within <laughs> constitutional limits? The bans on private insurers? Yeah. Remember, how? Inyash, remember, the Supreme Court has ruled that a farmer growing his own corn to feed to his own livestock on yeah. his own land is interstate commerce. Oh, but God. this isn't even, I mean, this isn't even interstate commerce. This is a state bill. Um, but it's just medical insurance is regulated out the asshole. I'm just making that as a point of saying, like, courts will let 
legislatures regulate literally everything under the sun. Yeah. But I mean, this is just this is a thing that like is is very similar to what states have been doing since there's been medical insurance. Like this is this is not out of the ordinary. They're always deciding what what procedures and things can be, uh, you know, covered or not or have to be covered. The whole do what we want or we'll take away the funds that you now cannot live without thing really kind of it sort of fucks me up in the UBI thing because because then I think do we actually want a UBI in theory yes in practice the government can just be like well now you have to do this horrible thing that goes against everything you believe and hurts people or we take away the UBI because haha it's not actually universal um and you know, you aren't entitled to any money from the government. This is the public purse. We can cut it off whenever we want. Inyash, you are so, so close to reaching enlightenment. (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy right now. I just, my answer to that is the government can do that now. Instead of like not giving you money, they can just take your money. Oh, oh, you mean just take it away. Yeah, I guess they can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. They they call it a tax and they can do whatever they want. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I hope I get some sort of enlightenment and can pass beyond this mortal coil. Well, you should ask your enlightened boyfriend, Elon Musk. Uh, Elon and me had to break up this week. Oh, no. What happened? <sighs> he came out as pro-criminalization of sex changes for minors, which I don't know. Womp, when you say womp. it that way, it doesn't sound awful. But, like, there are actual minors who actually need sex changes. And he just flat out said... No one should be allowed to to provide sex changes for minors, and uh, and if they do, they go to jail. And in addition to that, uh, th- even if like we had a decent definition of minors that meant people pre-puberty, I would be against this. But in the U.S., minors covers many people who are mentally adults but haven't reached the age of eighteen yet because our age of majority laws are fucked. So I'm I'm double against this, and Elon. Get your head out of your ass. Like, I understand this whole backlash bullshit thing, but don't don't be that person. Bet Grimes said the same thing. Uh, uh, yeah, this, I miss my boyfriend this fucked already. Up. The first I saw was him, like, tweeting out that dumb um, What is a Woman movie? <laughs> and, uh, being like, every parent should watch this. And I'm like, Elon, what are you doing? And But, like, also sure that people were, like, going to make a huge deal out of it. But, you know... The, <laughs> It was just going to be like a guilt by association thing. Then he comes out as being like, I'm going to lobby for criminalizing sex changes for minors. I'm like, what the fuck, Elon? Look, I don't think sex changes for minors are a good idea in most circumstances. But like, first of all, yeah, definitely for some, it's a great idea. And also, it's not really like, why would it be up to anyone but the minors? And like, it's in some circumstances, their parents. Yeah. I'm not even super convinced that it is a good idea for some. I think there's suggestive evidence that that's true, but also suggestive evidence that it's not. And yeah, I agree. This is dumb. Don't pass laws against stuff just because it's a bad idea. That too. (sighs) Remember when Elon seemed libertarian? Yeah. Now he's like, we need laws banning things that I personally don't like. This is what happens when you get involved with Twitter. Nobody should ever be involved with Twitter. I And I inv- include myself, <laughs> despite the fact that I get half this new stuff that we put on at the air from Twitter. Uh, I emphatically right. agree. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, I have not been on Twitter ever. <sighs> All right. Well, we've got one more shitty news story before we get to the good stuff. So let's let's go. 
California is talking about passing a link tax. Uh, specifically, this is a tax that would go after Google and Facebook and make them pay money to mainstream media sources because. Like, Wait, this includes Google? Yes. This includes, like, the search engine? The, the company Google. I, I don't but, know what other major things they do. But, like, <laughs> Wait, so if, here, if their results come up in a search engine, that... They want to charge Google for that? Apparently. No, that can't be right. They did it in Australia, and it's based on... It's very similar to the Australia bill. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that's so stupid. So, a bunch of news sites that have a lot of lobbyists said, uh, these tech companies are linking to us and making money from linking to us. They should give us that money. And some lawmakers in California have agreed, uh, basically... Due to, in my opinion, complete and utter transparent corruption, just just saying we're going to take money away from one people and give it to another people because they are the people that uh, give a, give us more lobbying dollars. And uh, that, that looks like it might pass. And Meta has said in response that they are just going to stop linking news sites in California if this passes. Oh, yeah. And the California Senate was like, well, fuck you, man. We're doing it anyway. <laughs> well, it, it hasn't gone through yet. My favorite part about this is called like the the saving journalism act or something. <laughs> of course it is. My sisters who I love live in California and I personally am in favor of Meta raising the sanity waterline for that state for that reason. <laughs> so I I see I see no problems with this. Why isn't this in happy news? No, because they're still going to have Facebook and Google and Twitter. They're just not going to have any news on it. Yeah, but if you take the news off of Facebook and Twitter, then you've removed most of what is brain melting about those websites. No, you've still got all the opinions. No, it's opinions by idiots. Yeah, Yeah. opinions. Wait, so would this would they just like show the opinions without having the headline beneath them, or would they remove the whole post? Oh, I don't know. Because if, I mean, well, if it's tweet that their second opinions. one, then I'm good with it. If it's the first one, then fuck that. I mean, the reason this is all happening is because nobody really cares about the news anymore, and they are going broke, and they need money from Google and Facebook, and uh, the reason people don't care about the news is because they want takes instead. That That is what we covered with the uh, John John Stewart, the Consensus Emancipator episode. It's uh, It's not going to stop happening, and they're just transferring money to the old journalism sites now. Publications that make less than $100,000 per year are not eligible. Yes. So independent can... journalists or small one- or two-person <laughs> journalism outfits are cut out of the deal. We how... cannot get in on this graft, which kind of pisses me off, and I blame our listeners. You guys, if you just give yeah, us give enough us more money. Than $100,000. Exactly. Then we could get in on this shit in California. I love how California is just literally run by Ayn Rand villains. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah, uh, Tech Dirt, anyways, uh, is a is a small journalist company who also does not make a hundred thousand a year. <laughs> yeah. So they say oh. they also will not be able to benefit from this. But they have a great article about it. Yeah, you guys. the 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 name of the bill is the Journalism Preservation Act. <laughs> I'm in favor if we can force journos onto game preserves. <laughs> the, the best thing about this is that all the journalists are so pissed off that um, Facebook would stop linking them because then they would lose all the traffic. Yeah. That's what they want. This is just, it'll just kill journalism. Yeah. Which, you know, 
the last few little things that journalism had left for it was that sometimes people would accidentally click on links from Facebook. <laughs> and now that won't even happen. But, like, unironically, I don't want journalism to die. Like, there's a lot of bad journalism out there, but it's, like, we still need reporting. We still need people to go find out things. I also would prefer for it not to die, but I don't see how transferring money from Google to people sitting in a journalist office is going to fix anything at all. Because right. I just, I'm just saying we're all laughing about how, you know, this will probably just kill journalism and yeah. <laughs> not I, being super sad about that. But. I do want journalism to die, and I see no problems with this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, Meta is currently testing the pulling all news sites, all news links off its site on Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Randomly selected Canadian users will not be able to see or share news content in Canada, either on Instagram or Facebook. It's probably going to affect between 1% and 5% of their users. Oh, so they can't see or share. That's good. That's what it says. Okay. <laughs> well, looks like they're doing it the uh, fix California way. Cool. That seems uh, fun. It, it, yeah. I this was Not based sure as why I they're said, testing it on Canadians, but you know that's that's the only thing Canada's really good for. <laughs> yeah, they're like uh, you know the, the the guinea pig of America. They're, yeah, I mean it's not the only thing. They also export snow, maple syrup, moose meat, and oil. I get my maple syrup from the state of Vermont, like God intended. <laughs> we get most of our hockey players from Canada. That's something. Do we even have hockey in America? Uh, we do in Colorado. I, I don't know about... I wandered into an extremely hipster uh, bar recently, and they had a game on the uh, uh, Hockey World Cup game playing on the TVs, which is how you know it's extremely hipster. And, uh, hmm. yeah. That's the, another point for it not being American. The Las Vegas Golden Knights were beating the Edmonton Oilers by, like, five points to one. Was that, that like... The Stanley Cup Finals? Maybe. I don't know. I don't care I don't think there's a World hockey. Cup of hockey. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I just thought it was funny that a uh, team literally from Canada, a place that's notable for being cold, were getting their clocks cleaned by a team from a desert. That is, mm. that is ironic. You know, they were getting their clocks cleaned by Canadians that got imported down to the desert. You're probably not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Anyways, this, there was a similar law passed in Australia two years ago, uh, which targeted Google and Facebook, and just said you have to pay off mainstream news outlets, uh, apparently independently. They just had to approach the mainstream news outlets and make a deal with them for some money. Like, here's money, leave us alone, is <laughs> what it shook out to. Uh, Can we but- get in on this? <laughs> No, we can't because Damn apparently it. in Australia the uh, the minimum limit is I think two million a year. It's, uh, uh, it's higher than here. Uh, Facebook screwing over the little guy again. The interesting Wait, thing is, is that, like, uh, is that American dollars or Australian dollars? Because I, I assume they're like Canada and just have stupid mon- <laughs> monopoly money. I, I don't know. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, the interesting thing is that, like, they said Google and Facebook have to negotiate with news outlets, that, uh, but then didn't give, go into any major specifics. Uh, Facebook still refuses to play, pay a couple of these. Uh, the SBS, which is apparently some sort of public broadcasting service that is considered small and niche, and another one whose name I don't remember. And, uh, they, you know, they made deals with uh, Fox and MSNBC and a bunch of other people, but they're just like, no, 
these guys are too small potatoes. <laughs> We're not paying them off. And now, apparently, the Australian Parliament is in this tough position where they have to decide whether they're going to officially designate those two media outlets as ones that must be paid off by uh, Facebook or not. And that's a thing. So... I don't know. I, I, I just feel like they have... <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be surprised with this being Australia, but I feel like they've just legitimized serious, regular criminal stuff. I feel like we covered that at the time. Yeah, we I, definitely I, see, I remember. Did. I remember it being like 95% of all the money or something was going to go to like American mega corporations. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can tell like... You can tell how like dumb and, and corrupt these laws are and like they know how bad they are because they exempt the small guys because they're like this is actually going to be bad for these organizations so we're just you know the uh the big rich guys can take it um so we'll just make it apply to them like if this was good for journalists then the small and independent journalists should be first in line you know they know it's bad for journalists Maybe if we got together with like a whole bunch of other small podcasts and incorporated under a large conglomeration that made more than a hundred thousand per year. And oh, you mean like some kind up. of podcast network, which I pitched to you years ago, and you were like, "No, I don't want to." That sounded like work. <laughs> You're describing it right now and saying we should do it. And that was before we were being bribed by the California government. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, I'm willing to do work for money. <laughs> you were just offering me work for no money. That's true. I was doing that. <laughs> and yet, here we are, doing work for no money. Uh, that's Well, this is half fun. Uh, I suppose we do get some money. Uh, and this is too. 100% fun for me. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be here. Speaking Yay. of 100% fun, it's time to go to Happy News. Good news, Yay. everyone. All right, I have one happy news story, which I'm going to cover now, and then the rest of them are all Eniash, <laughs> who went on a happy news, like... Rampage. Rampage this this week. All right, so my happy news is that the... Uh, you remember the U.S. war in Afghanistan? I've heard of that. That we officially ended a couple years ago? Great victory. Great victory. Nothing um, went wrong. <laughs> well, here's something that didn't go wrong. Zero... Soldiers missing in action. Huh. Nice. First, first U.S. conflict ever, uh, that, where that's been the case. That that is really good. That is great because, like, oh my god, can you imagine a worse situation for the family? Yeah, that they're just like missing and we have no idea. Yeah. Oh god, I like feel bad just thinking about it. But yeah, yeah. there were zero in the Afghan war. That's pretty um, cool. So like. Some soldiers died, but, like, we were able to confirm that. Yeah. All right. Good job, U.S. Yeah, it's great. All right, Enyash, tell us, tell us all the good stuff. Well, uh, I'm going to start out with AI stuff that is good because Doom sucks. And, yeah. All the AI news is in happy news this week? All the AI news is in happy news this week. Crazy. I infer yeah. from this that you didn't hear about the uh, Air Force drone. That's, that was fake news. At that I had that in uh, originally, and then yeah, I heard that it is it is what thought experiment basically. It was like the <laughs> hypothesis that yeah. this could happen. So, Inyash, so here's some Inyash, simulation. Inyash, yeah. So yeah. is all of the AI risk literature. God <laughs> damn you, David. <laughs> so here's some happy news. Um, originally, it was reported that a a drone 
uh, had a human controller who was telling it, you know, wh- who to shoot and who not to shoot. And the the drone realized that the controller was a threat to its mission and killed the controller. Uh, turned out that didn't happen. And that was just like a weird hypothetical that well, the guy was running his mouth about. I mean, the weird thing is that it was said it was done in a sim, right? No one was actually killed. But in a simulation, this yeah. drone realized that it was getting no-goes and that was mm-hmm. interfering with its mission to blow up Sam. So it attacked the uh, first, the guy, uh, the actual controller. And then when the controller was put beyond its reach, the communications tower uh, that relayed the no-go instructions, which was fascinating. Everyone was like, oh, my God, what? This is literally the Terminator shit we've been talking about. And then it turned out that when the guy talking used the word simulation, what he meant was we were talking about it, and this is a thing that could theoretically happen. We had a few drinks, and somebody thought about (laughs) this up. (laughs) So happy news. Uh, The killer Terminator robots aren't here yet. Yet. Uh, But what's the actual happy news about uh, AI? The actual happy news is OpenAI is working on process supervision. as opposed Process to, supervision sounds boring. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess. <laughs> You're supposed to be a nerd, Wes. You, you are interested in boring I'm stuff. I'm not a big enough nerd to, to think that something called process supervision sounds exciting. Well, this is something where, as opposed to rating the final outcome that the LLM gives you, uh, it rates each step. It looks at each step along the way and rates is this. Are you using the correct process to get to the next step or not? Uh, and by rating the process rather than the final outcome, they are able to get much... Uh, this is during the training run. They're able to get much more reliable uh, models with far less hallucinations. And uh, very likely this will be a very big, good tactic. Useful tactic in uh, in future alignment. Hey! Yeah. So far they've only tested it on math stuff. Like literal literal how do you find the derivative of whatever kind of stuff? Well, but, the good news is it's all math stuff. Yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all definitely right. good news. All right, good stuff. All right, what else? Wes, you hate dying, right? Oh, hate it. It's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a company called New Limit, which is co-founded by the Coinbase CEO, which recently raised $40 million to work on life extension. Hey. Nice. Yeah, people are getting serious about this shit. All right. Is this uh, like? Is this look promising? It's just starting up, but you know, I'm glad to hear people are throwing huge sums of millions is at life extension in a serious way. That's crazy to me that they weren't already. Yeah, it was kind of niche before. Like, I feel like you know, wanting to not die is big, big in America. I I have no explanation. Or with I, all that I healthcare with spending. Yeah. But yeah, good job. Uh, let's keep it coming. Hell yeah. Let's talk about uh, billions next time. That's right. We're getting close. All right. What else? What else? Uh, Pairwise. Oh, a CRISPR story. Got to have a CRISPR story every episode. I mean, we use it so much for so many things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now we use it to make things taste better. Yeah. (laughs) This is the real happy news. Pairwise is a company that used CRISPR to make raw mustard greens taste not bad. Uh, Apparently, they're pretty commonly used in uh, Asian, some Asian and Mediterranean (laughs) recipes. uh, But since they taste really bad raw, they're cooked a whole lot, boiled, and that gets rid of some of the nutrition in them. Uh, This this change makes them not taste bad anymore, or at least significantly less bad. All right. Now do it for kale. Also, also a uh, rare good decision from the FDA, I see. And it makes sense because it's from the F part and not the D part. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think this was the FDA. It was something that's named very similar to the FDA, right? 
where was this? The Food and Drug Law Institute, which is not the same as the Food and Food Drug and Administration, Drug right? Law Institute. I've never even heard of that. I haven't either. Uh, but the Food and Drug Law Institute said, well, they're using CRISPR to change the DNA of the plant, but they're not introducing different DNA from a different plant, so it shouldn't be considered a GMO. And uh, Oh, the- yeah. The Food and Drug Law Institute's just a think tank. It was the USDA that actually made the decision. Yes, and the USDA said, that sounds like good reasoning to us. This is not a GMO. This, uh, mo- this organism has not been genetically modified by CRISPR. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most genetically modified, you idiots. Uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing is more genetically modified than that. They li- in the article they say they literally just no, kept no. running CRISPR on it until they got rid of the bad, tasty parts. Wes, Wes, I'm gonna need you to cut that part out because we don't want them to find out that CRISPR modified stuff is genetically modified. All right, all right, I take it back, USDA, if you're listening, which I know you are. Um, you're right. This was an excellent decision. Uh, no notes. Yeah. Uh, since the, since they were not crippled by regulation, they, this actually went through pretty quickly and easily, and uh, they're going to be testing it now. All right. Um, in markets to see if people will buy it. Um, yeah, I really hope shard is next, actually, because I grow a lot of shard. It grows really well. Oh. But right now, all I do is put it in green smoothies, and it'd be cool if I could like put it in salads and it tasted good. Yeah. All right. What's next? More AI stuff. More great AI stuff, yes. Uh, researchers using AI have found a new type of antibiotic. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, they went through many potential candidate molecules until uh, the AI singled out this one as something that will work against this particular strain of um, bacteria that is, they call it a professional pathogen. It mostly hangs around in hospitals and infects people there opportunistically. Uh, the, not only does it work extremely well at killing this uh, bacteria, it also doesn't seem to kill many other species of beneficial bacteria that live in the gut or on the skin, which makes hey. it a rare, narrowly target, a targeted agent. Yeah, because most of those antibiotics just, like, fuck everything. Uh-huh. They're like uh, nukes. They come through and yeah. they, yeah, blow the whole place just... down. <laughs> Just why it annoys me so much when I go to the doctor with a clearly viral infection, and they're like, "Well, just take these antibiotics, mm. you know, just just in case." Yeah. I'm like, God damn it. Do you just store the antibiotics for when you might need them later? No, I usually take them because I'm a sap. Not at the very least, you should just not buy them. Save yeah, some money. What if it is a bacterial infection? God damn it! That's how they get you. I know. Look, if your if your snot's clear, don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, folk wisdom from David. Hmm. All right, but this is great. This probably won't be used by, um, you know, terrorists to make super viruses. Probably not this specific thing, no. All right, good. Yeah. Uh, moving away from artificial intelligence and onto human intelligence. Ooh, the inferior kind. <laughs> Have you guys heard of Einstein shapes? No. Um, I see a note in here that says it's pronounced one stone. <laughs> no, uh, it... The, that note is in there to say that this is not named after the famous Einstein we all know and love. It is named after the fact that Einstein means one stone in German. <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's not even named after a dude? Nope. It's just a one stone shape, but you say that is Einstein? Yep. I hate this. <laughs> it's this it's good news. You can't news. hate it. No. This is now news that Wes hates. The reason it's called a one stone shape is because it can tile forever to completely cover an entire surface with no gaps or overlaps, but 
never repeating a pattern. Uh, it was theorized that such a pattern exists, but nobody knew of one until this one was discovered very recently by a dude named David Smith. And I, I saw a few people saying mathematicians discover the first Einstein shape. No, no. This is a retired print technician and aficionado of jigsaw puzzles, fractals, and roadmaps. Uh, he, he found the shape and contacted a friend at the University of Waterloo in Canada to confirm. He was like, is this, is this really doing what I think it's doing? And then they listed some mathematicians to help them and verified that, yes, in fact, this is a 13-sided shape that looks a bit like a hat, which is why it is now called the hat. Cool. Yeah. Uh, since then, another one has been discovered based off of the hat called Spectre, which does the same thing except without reflected tiles, meaning tiles that are, you know, flipped around. Uh, which is, I guess, also cool, and I think that's why they called it Spectre, because it doesn't have reflections, but they really should have called it the Vampire then. Uh, are you making puns? No, I I'm saying that mythologically, vampires are the ones that don't have reflections. All right, but you are engaging in wordplay. That counts. No, what? <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Carry on this podcast on your own. We can't. So, we have, soon we this have podcast six will, more happy news stories, and they're all from you. Soon this Shit. podcast will be nothing but an hour and a half of white noise released every week, <laughs> or every two weeks. According to the social justice fundamentalists, that's already what it is. Hmm. Oh, because oh, it's noise made from white people? <laughs> yes. That's, that's, that's racist, joke. dude. <laughs> All right, back to my ex-boyfriend, Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) Are in happy news now? Are you getting back together? No, no, not until he recants his ways. All right. But he still does some good things. I'm thinking their relationship is an on-again, off-again phase, and it's currently off-again, so, you know. All right, well, what did he do? Well, uh, his Neuralink won FDA approval for human study of their brain, brain implants. Uh, hey uh, yeah a little bit Neuralink sounds fun right it's the thing that where they stick electrodes in your brain so they can read what is going on there and you can directly control a computer by thinking in specific ways uh which would be the cyberpunk future we were always promised and i cannot wait for it to actually come to fruition did you guys watch that thing he did with the pigs i did no. I did too, and I was like, oh my god, this I, is the dumbest thing I've ever on. seen. I, I didn't. What is this? <laughs> he oh, put Neuralinks in pigs, no, and no, he so- did like a live demonstration of it, nothing was working. Wes <laughs> totally missed the opportunity <laughs> to like- say they documented it in the first episode of Black Mirror. All right. I don't actually remember what happened in that episode, but... Somebody fucks a pig. <laughs> god. <laughs> could you just could you just please i don't know if i can uh uh but yeah no the pig thing oh man it was just these pigs it was like 30 minutes of just pigs wandering around aimlessly and eon standing there trying to talk to them but it was kind of interesting the shit that they did with them (laughs) just i all i remember is i was watching it and it was the shit level she wasn't working and he was like trying to coax the pigs to do stuff well, there was the That's one time hilarious. where he actually rooted around in stuff, and he's like, oh, see, like, right there, you can see that his snout is touching stuff, and Neuralink can tell because the neurons oh, yeah. of snout touching are lighting mm-hmm. up. Yeah, yeah, that was that was cool. All right, all right. But yeah, hopefully this, uh, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't seem, like, people are already doing studies where they control, like, a mouse cursor with their brain and stuff. Yeah. So I feel like there's a 
lots of alpha, as the kids say mm-hmm. here, even if it's just like mundane stuff like that. But probably will be like even more crazy stuff. You know, if I didn't have to move my hands to move the mouse, I wouldn't need my hands at all. So <laughs> few less pounds of meat I got to support, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next story. <laughs> In a few months, the U.S. received more than 1.5 million requests from individuals hoping to sponsor the entry of migrants. Ooh, that's a lot of uh, generous Americans. Yeah, uh, this is actually related to a story that we covered, I don't know, a year and a half ago uh, when the Ukraine sponsorship program happened. Uh, Sounded like you were about to say something. Well, I no? thought that program was was just in Poland. Was the U.S. allowing people to sponsor Ukrainian refugees? Apparently so, yeah. Oh, cool. The the US now has a a sponsorship program for uh migrants coming oh. from four countries, Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela. Oh yeah, if, look at that. We've taken in 127,000 Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for us. Yeah, I am a big fan of these sponsorship programs because it just lets regular private people sponsor people and take care of them it sets them on their way here it uh it's the way immigration should ideally work best in my opinion and i'm specifically uh a big fan of these because i am a direct beneficiary my parents were sponsored by someone when they fled communist poland uh someone who had a beef against communism because this was the 80s and uh that that was a thing um and yeah it worked out really great for me specifically, for my parents, my family, and for everybody who listens to the show, I guess. Congrats, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we have a crazy old lady you see to see that? that. We all benefit from the contributions of immigrants. Yeah. And um, also from the contributions of anti-communists. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of whom are the same people. And, you know, the reason that they're... Uh, Taking people specifically from those four countries, Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Venezuela, is because when migrants come here from those countries, they can't really be deported back to them uh, for various reasons of state collapse or being dirty commies, uh, which is the same reason probably that we got in here because when we requested asylum, there was a big asylum program to help destabilize the communist countries. And also, if someone had tried to deport us back to Poland, my parents might not have survived that particular deportation. Uh, so yeah, good, good, good thing overall. I really wish it wasn't limited to those four countries. Kind of think this should be a thing for every country on Earth. Uh, also, the program is currently capped to no more than thirty thousand per month. So this one point five million requests uh, to to open up people's homes for refugees, amazing. Gonna be filling that that quota for a long, long time. Uh, maybe we can increase the amount of people we're willing to take. Yeah, hopefully uh, this goes great and we can expand it. Yeah. All right. Tennessee had an anti-drag law, which I also didn't know about because I guess nobody cares about people in Tennessee either. Uh, But it it has been ruled unconstitutional on multiple grounds. So there is no longer an anti-drag law in Tennessee. Hey, and that was by a federal judge. Yes. Uh, Which, you know, these, these things always get appealed, so it'll go to the circuit court. Um, the Supreme Court will probably ignore it because this, there's really no question here that this is unconstitutional. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, obviously, f- free speech and free association mean you can have drag shows. Yeah. Like, what so, are you even doing, Tennessee? Yeah. To hell with you. Um, I, I, like, I like my performance art and don't fuck with it. 
uh, speaking of performance art, apparently it's been there's been stand up comedy for at least five hundred years. Ooh, uh, I, this may be an inaccurate way to describe what has been found, uh, but the headline says it is the first recorded stand up comedy sketch. It is the notes that somebody took on a traveling minstrel that they saw at a large feasting event. Uh, the traveling minstrel had a stand-up routine that included the a story called The Hunting of the Hare, which features a killer rabbit. <laughs> it's, nice. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. They, they had some cool stuff in the article if you want to read more about it. But it is the, yeah, the oldest known record we have of this sort of thing. It's a snapshot of mediev- a medieval life being lived well, according to the source. And also, the seems to contain a lot of self-irony and making the audiences the butt of the jokes, which is still very characteristic of British stand-up comedy. Again, according to that source, uh, this was found in the great land of Britain, where, <laughs> where, they, <laughs> where they have long had problems with killer rabbits. Indeed. In the year 1480. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think it's well known that, uh, you know... There were wandering minstrels that told funny stories, but I don't know about that. Yeah, back that that long. Pretty neat. I, I like that it was, you know, referred to as a stand-up comedy sketch. I, I can just kind of see, like, a Seinfeld-looking dude up there with a mandolin <laughs> being like, the thing about the killer rabbits. That's uh, Seinfeld impressions, just A+. plus. Is that, that's, uh, that's sarcasm, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is, Eniash. <laughs> you would make a good stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Wait! Is that sarcasm? I don't know. I don't know either. Oh, well. I guess we'll never know. All right. What's our next story? Well, what we will know is what a single atom we're looking at. What? That's impossible. The first ever x-ray of a single atom has been captured. Uh, I didn't know that you couldn't do this, but those scanning scanning tunneling micron electroscopes... Not electroscopes. Electron microscopes. Microscopes. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, I mean, I'm going to call them electroscopes from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, they cannot tell you what the atoms that uh, you're seeing are. Until now. (laughs) You could aim it at what you know is iron, so great. But uh, now, yeah, now with uh, x-rays, you can't tell what uh, the the material that you're looking at is. But before, you couldn't tell if it was below about 10,000 atoms because the signal from... a atom is so weak, you need a whole lot of them to be able to, to really tell what you're looking at. Now, you can detect exactly the type of one particular atom, one atom at a time, and simultaneously measure its chemical state with this new X-ray device. All right, so how long till we get the duplicator machines? Next week. Yes! <laughs> now, apparently this is a big deal. Somebody called it a holy grail of physics. Uh... It was one of the people involved in well. this, so I think they have some motivation to <laughs> to <laughs> overplay this a bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but still, it, it seems like this is going to be a good thing that opens up a lot of new possibilities in the research areas. Uh, yeah, I mean that seems pretty cool that you can just like tell what atom you're looking at. I mean, I think it'd be really applicable to nano assembly because now you yeah. can like see a bunch of atoms and be like that one atom is the wrong kind get it out of there uh which would be great i love taking the wrong things out of things (laughs) taking the wrong things out of things is tight (laughs) all right and what is our human interest story for the episode 
There is a guy in Alwinick, Northumberland, which is a small town somewhere, uh, named Andrew Carr. He's 32 years old. He owns ABC Cleaning Services. And his town has a lot of dog poo and chewed up gum and dirt all over their streets. And he just got really tired of it. So one day after a job, he turned his pressure washer on the walkways near where he'd been working and cleaned them off. And it was really pretty underneath. And apparently there's patterns on the on the slate beneath uh, beneath everybody's feet that nobody had seen before. And they were like, whoa, this is amazing. Our streets don't look like shit-covered 15th century streets anymore. Uh, everybody loves him. And now he just does this every Sunday morning. He goes down, cleans off a section of street, working his way through the town. And it kind of reminds me of... How the how people got love in the past? Like this is a thing patricians would just do. They're like, we we have a lot of power and money. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Let's make our city better. And they did that, and people loved them. And this was a great way to have public service back in the day. Um, I just I love this kind of thing. Making your community better is awesome, and it does make people love you. And more people should do this. It'll help you find some meaning and greatness in life. Indeed. That and uh, podcasting are the, probably the two greatest uh, uh, ways of doing public service. Yes. If you can combine the two and have a street cleaning podcast, you're probably <laughs> peak humanism. Definitely. All right. Well, that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our three hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so my troop deployment this fortnight is a uh, very important and substantial lemma that I have uncovered. Uh, and that is that metalheads are swole goths, or, uh, conversely, goths are twink metalheads. No, I will not be taking any questions, and, uh, the proof I leave as an exercise to readers. You speak true words, David. All right, thank you, David. Niyash, what do you have for us? Oh, well, there was a story that did not make it into Happy News because it was fake. Uh, but one of the stories I came across in my Happy News search was that Sweden had made sex a national sport. This is not true, but Sweden, you should make sex a national sport. <laughs> it would be awesome. Uh, this, this media company, which runs a few porn sites, I think... Uh, proposed it and they were turned down but you know it had 16 different categories in their sex championships including seduction and oral sex people were supposed to like compete for 45 minutes and then be judged by a panel of judges and audience ratings like this is this is all kinds of great things everybody should do this and uh well not everybody sweden in specific should do this and it would make them the greatest co uh, country on earth and, you know, also increase the tourism industry whenever the sex championships are happening. Counterpoint, it would do to sex what martial arts have done for fighting, and that would be bad. Huh. What has martial arts done for fighting? It's ruined it. <laughs> Made it popular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, you basically, like, can't learn, or I don't want to say you can't, but it's extremely hard to learn um, actual, like, useful fighting uh, because martial arts are so aggressively sporterized that um, that the techniques are not useless, but significantly less useful when, you know, you're actually trying to fight someone who's trying to hurt you and hurt them instead. 
David, I have heard a very good argument that actually sport fighting and real fighting are not that different in the mechanics. All right, and- you two. Let's not hash this out in the troop deployment section. <laughs> okay, all right. That's a good point. Uh, everyone knows that the only real fighting move is punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we have a Joyzy boy on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My troop deployment is that you can make instant meaning. Just add children. Now, I have a friend. Let's call him E. Brodsky. Oh, no, no. no. Now, that's far too obvious. Let's call him Eniosh B. (laughs) He's constantly having crises of meaning in his life. And it's not just him. I keep reading about how the decline of religion has left lots of people starving for meaning in their lives. What's the purpose of life? What's the point of it all? Why even keep going? You know who never thinks about that sort of thing? Parents. We have no trouble finding meaning in our lives because we have little meaning machines constantly underfoot. Now, I've never personally needed a lot of meaning in my life. I've been fine just being a hedonist. And yet, even I feel a real sense of purpose having a child and did since basically minute one. I don't think it's a coincidence that our society-wide crisis of meaning is getting worse at the same time the number of children we're having is getting lower. Now, I'm not one of those people who thinks everyone should have children. I'm not a pronatalist. I recognize that children often create more problems than they solve. So if you don't think children are for you, don't have children. But if your main problem in life is that you lack a sense of meaning or purpose, maybe think about it. The other thing that children do is get you off the hedonic treadmill. People who experience large gains all at once get used to them pretty quickly and revert to their baseline level of happiness. To really experience sustained improvements in your happiness, it takes incremental improvements over time, and that's exactly what children do. They start out basically incapable of doing anything, requiring lots of work to maintain. Then they gradually develop new capabilities which allow them to do things for themselves. Then eventually they develop enough that they can help you with things. They're like a well-designed video game that lets you gradually automate the tedious tasks, but (laughs) presents you with new challenges as you level up. Uh, Anyway, like I said, I'm not a pronatalist. I don't want people to think they should have children no matter what. But I think people should think twice before saying children aren't for them, uh, especially if they're lacking a sense of meaning or purpose. Wes, you're going to get me in trouble. Well, <laughs> is somebody is somebody want you to get to get them pregnant? No, but this is just a recipe for getting me in trouble. Wh- why? Because you are starting to convince me. Hey, <laughs> and children should... are trouble, sir. And children are great. Hmm. I mean, they're less trouble than adults. Yeah, That's... no answer to that. <laughs> That's hard to argue. With. Yeah, right. Hmm. All right. I was about to say, at least you can just ditch adults, but boy, that sounds bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that is our show uh, for this two-week period that I'm refusing to call a fortnight. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe on Substack. You'll get access to early episodes. You'll get access to bonus episodes and... You'll get to join our subscriber-only Discord channel, where you can come help me convince Eniash to have children. Mm. Now, come back in two weeks. Same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.